Thank you, Martha. That was a beautiful, a beautiful poem, and uh, it reminds me of my childhood because my parents and grandparents were telling me these stories. The most well-known are the story of Joseph, who ended up in a dungeon because of his loyalty. And another story is the is Daniel, who, because of his loyalty, ended up in the lion's den. But whatever comes, we just need to learn some principles through this story. And I'd like to invite you to bow your heads for an opening prayer. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful again because we know that everything is in your hands. Whatever comes, a dungeon or the lion's den or whatever other kind of persecution would occur, we trust that everything would work for our good. So when we study this well-known story, we ask you to help us to understand certain principles we need to follow in our lives so we could be faithful or loyal uh, stewards as we have just studied this week. So please open your word, Lord, and help us to understand these principles. In the name of Jesus, we ask. Amen. So we move back to the book of Daniel for, uh, I'm not saying for the last time, but as part of the series, it's going to be the very last part, concluding with chapter 6. And as you know, chapter 6 practically concluding or closing the first half of the book, because Daniel has 12 chapters, and the first six are mainly narrative. These are stories, not so much of prophecies, except chapter 2. And there is a very interesting link between chapter 1 and then 6. So I'd like to show you something, just a small detail, but as I have learned through the years, that small details are, details are sometimes very important in the Bible. So just a small detail here. If you go to Daniel 6, chapter 6, and we would read the very last verse, verse 28. So Daniel 6 and verse 28 says, So this Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus the Persian. So this is an interesting conclusion at the end of the story. And so we would need to link this statement that Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Link this sentence to chapter 1. So let's go back to John, I mean, Daniel 1 and then verse 21. It says, Thus Daniel continued until the first year of King Cyrus. So what is this? Because chapter 1 is talking about Nebuchadnezzar as he besieged and occupied Jerusalem. But it ends with 
another king and with another story, with another empire. This is the Persian Empire, not even the first king, but from the Jews' point of view, a very important king, Cyrus. It says Daniel continued in the king's palace. He continued his service until the first year of King Cyrus. So there is something important about Cyrus, but also about uh, Darius, because Daniel 6 is about Darius, who practically besieged Babylon, the capital of the, of the empire. And if you go back to Daniel chapter 5, the very last verse says, that very night, Belshazzar, king of the Chaldeans, was slain. And Darius the Mede received the kingdom being about 62 years old. So one empire was fading, another empire is approaching or, or um, coming up. In the, in the flaws of human history. And this man, Darius, we don't know too much about him. Uh, some believe that he was the father-in-law of Cyrus. But he was definitely a general. He took the capital of Babylon. And when he did it on the same night as I read, Belshazzar, who was watched by unseen watchers, and as we studied last time, God decided that this kingdom should end because this man was not only a, a careless person, but he defiled the holy vessels belonging to the temple. So God decided this kingdom should end and a new one came. And so it seems that Daniel was surviving more than one kingdom's. And I'm amazed because Daniel was at that time about 85, maybe 86. He could have been 87. He was getting old. And he was still functioning as the, we should say today, a chief advisor to these, these kings. Not only one king, but many, many in the Babylonian Empire. And if you go and move to Daniel chapter 10. There is one small, small detail there. We should read it before we go to the story. Because if you go to Daniel and chapter 10, if you read verse 1, it says, In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a message was revealed to Daniel, whose name was called Bel Belteshazzar. So he was not only been there, in the first year of King Cyrus, but he added two more years, which means that he was about 89, probably, at that time, and that's the last vision he received in the annual 10, 11, and 12. But there was something beyond the scenes, and we all, always need to understand when we read the Bible that there is something we can read, 
But there is something we can understand without reading. Because this is beyond the scenes. And what was that? There was an ongoing spiritual warfare. How do we know that? From the same chapter, Daniel 10. I just want to read you t- uh, just a couple of verses. Verses 12 and then 13. There is an angel talking to Daniel, and then he said to me, Daniel is talking about himself, said to me, don't fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come because of your words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me, 21 days. And behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. So this angel is talking to Daniel, telling him that you've been praying for three weeks, and you may have concluded there is no answer to my prayer. But he said, don't fear, Daniel, for, for the, from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before God, your words were heard. Which, mean, which means to me that whenever we pray, sometimes it takes three weeks, sometimes it takes three months, maybe three years, maybe 30 years, Praying for somebody. And as time passes, we might conclude that God is not really answering. Or is, is he slow to answer? Or is he answering in his time? Well, this angel's message assured Daniel that his words were heard, meaning that there was something behind those three weeks. And God heard the prayer from the very beginning, but there was something this angel had to fight. Because verse 13 says, the prince of the kingdom of Persia, which stood me 21 days, exactly three weeks, And he needed some further help in this spiritual battle. And it was Michael. And if you go to verse 20 and 21 of the same chapter, which is Daniel 10, it says, verse 20, Then he said, referring to the angel again, Do you know why I have come to you? And now I must return to fight with the prince of Persia. So there was something about the prince of Persia. And when I have gone forth, indeed the prince of Greece will come. So this angel is pointing into the future and telling this prophet that there is something which is related or what is behind human history. And then he says in verse 21, But I will tell you what is noted in the scripture of truth. 
No one upholds me against these except Michael, your prince. And then we should add uh, verse 1 of chapter 11. It says, also in the first year of Darius the Mede, I, even I, stood up to confirm and strengthen him. Do you see these links? These are very interesting because at certain points in the book, when you don't see a chronological order, you will see how those strings can, can come together. And for Daniel, it was a rewarding experience that he was praying and then he was affirmed that his prayers or prayers rather were heard during those three weeks but there was an ongoing war uh, with the Persian kings especially with Darius and of course with uh, Cyrus as well and after this kind of introduction let's move to Daniel 6 I don't want to read all the details because you know the story what is the story basically what is the is the essence of this story Well, the Bible says uh, in the first few verses of chapter 6 that when Darius took this huge empire, he conquered the empire, he was a very good organizer and decided he appointed satraps, local governors, and then he appointed three more top governors, I would say, and one of them was was Daniel. And the, and the story says in the first five verses that the king was considering Daniel as the chief of, the, of those three. So he would be, the, would be the governor of the governors. And he was 87 at least. Try to imagine, he was not a young man full of energy, but he was an experienced man. So even in his old age, he was an excellent um, aid or, or help to the king. But from those verses we read, especially from chapter 10, we know that there was an ongoing war behind the scenes and angels were fighting with demons who would control human history. And I found a very interesting quotation uh, from Prophets and Kings. If you don't mind, I, I'd like to read this. Prophets and Kings, page 500. It says, in the word of God, the curtain is drawn aside, and we behold above, behind, and through all the play and counterplay of human interest and power and passions, the agencies of the all-merciful one silently, patiently working out the counsels of his own will. It's a beautiful quotation. This is Prophets and Kings, page 500. Easy to remember, 500. So in the word of God, we see more, or we should see more, than what is written. We should see as God is pulling 
the curtain to the side. And as Ellen White puts it, we behold above, behind, and through all the play and counterplay of human interest and power and passion, we should see the agencies of the all-merciful one who is silently, patiently working out the counsels of his own will. So how did God do this? Well, in a very amazing, amazing way. So let's go to verse, verses 1 through 5. And I'm just picking a few verses. Daniel 6 and then verses 1 through 5. Because this is about coming from sea to thee. C would stand for crisis, and D would stand for deliverance. So this whole story is about coming from a crisis to a beautiful deliverance. And so I'm, I'm not reading the story. I, I just told you the story beginning in verse 1. This is chapter 6 of, of uh, Daniel. And I just moved to verse 4 and then 5. So the governors and satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could not find, could find no charge or fault because he was faithful. Nor was there any error or fault found in him. Then these men said, we shall not find any charge against this Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. What was this? Daniel had an excellent spirit. If you go back to verse 3, it says, Daniel distinguished himself above all the governors because an excellent spirit was in him. Think about his age, 87, and still having this excellent spirit. He was probably a hard-working man, but in, in every actions, he was led by the Spirit of God. And that's what is amazing, that in, in his heart and mind, there was an excellent spirit because of the works of the Holy Spirit. So they, these men set up something. A plot. What was that? Thinking of a plot. This man is, is bothering us. Because he is going to be above us. Do you like when people are above you? Or do you like when people are below you? If you think about the social ladder in society. Well, to these men, it seems that Daniel was a threat. Because the king, King Darius, who had an understanding of the workings of God... Worth, uh, he was thinking that Daniel would be probably on the top of the whole system because of his excellent spirit. 
But these, these men said, we can't find any fault in this man. He is not making any mistake. And whenever you are in a situation where you don't, you don't make any mistake, be careful. Because it would trigger the jealousy or the envy of others around you. And they would feel threatened because of your goodness. Isn't that a strange experience? That whenever you are showing something of a godliness and an exceptional spirit, they would trigger the hatred of others. So they said, let's set up a trap. There was step number two. And of course, they appealed to the king. Let's go to verse 6. So these governors and satraps thronged before the king and said thus to him, King Darius, live forever. All the governors of the kingdom, the administrators and satraps, the counselors and advisors have consulted together to establish a royal statue, statute and to make a firm decree that whoever petitions any god or man for 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now king established the decree and signed the writing so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which does not alter. Therefore, King Darius signed the written decree. How to set up a trap for someone? Can we learn how we can set up a trap for someone? I don't think we need to learn that. <laughs> this, is, this is not the reason why the story is in the Bible. But it is very strange that these people whose life were preserved because of Daniel. And Daniel was able to protect their lives because he was given the wisdom and understanding of the dreams of Nebuchadnezzar. Their lives were preserved and now they are saying this man is just in our way. We need to do something about him. We need to stop him. And this is a very strange play in, in politics. They would not attack Daniel face to face. But I said, we need to go to the king. Because if we can appeal to his ego, so nobody can have any request from any god or gods or any man except you, king, that they would make you even greater. Isn't that very strange that people sometimes set up traps like this? based on the ego of another person. And so they prepared everything. I can, I can imagine that they, they have already written the decree. They've written the decree. They read the decree. And they went to the king and said, the only thing is missing is your signature. If you say, okay, it's going to be the law and it cannot be changed. 
But of course it raises a question. Can human law overrule God's law? Can human law be infallible? Which means cannot be changed. Is that so? Well, I don't think so. And as you see, something was really going on. And Daniel, that's number three, point number three. How did Daniel respond to a situation like that? How can you respond to a trap? Well, I'm reading verses 10 to 13. It says, Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home. And in his upper room, with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before God, as was his custom since early days. Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. And they went before the king and spoke concerning the king's decree. Have you not signed a decree that every man who petitions any god or man within 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? So they were very keen on reminding the king that you signed a decree. You should fulfill the decree. You should follow your own writings and your own signature. But it's more important to think about what Daniel did. This new crisis situation. Did it change his faith? his religious practices, his understanding of God or his prayer life. And sometimes when we are under pressure, there is a temptation that we would confirm to something rather than be transformed. But Daniel was not that kind of a person. He was, as I said, 87 or so. An old man, but he had a good practice. And when he knew that the decree was signed, he went immediately to his home and then prayed three times. So nothing changed. He continued with his stand. And he followed principles. He remained faithful. But there is a negative example in the Bible. Let's, let's go to the New Testament for just for a, a moment and read it from Galatians chapter 2. Because it shows us that there is a temptation always in a crisis situation like this. Galatians 2 and then verses 11 to 13. It says, Now when Peter had come to Antioch, I withstood him to his face because he was to be blamed. For before certain men came from James, he would eat with the Gentiles. But when they came, he withdrew and separated himself, 
fearing those who were of the circumcision. And the rest of the Jews also played the hypocrite with him, so that even Barnabas was carried away with their hypocrisy. So what was this? Crisis situation for Peter. While the Jews who were attacking him from behind were not present, he was comfortable sitting with the Gentiles, sitting with them and eating with them. But when those Jews arrived, all of a sudden he changed his mind. He wanted to show that he is a good Jew. But at the same time, he turned his back on those Gentile believers. So there is a lesson behind. If you think about the story of Daniel, he did not change his mind. Although he knew what was coming, he knew exactly that according to the law, this decree cannot be changed. He knew the verdict that if someone is asking or praying to another god for within those 30 day, days period, then he would be cast into the lion's den. And as you remember, chapter 3, there was another crisis situation when they were thrown into the fiery furnace for being loyal. And now Daniel is in a situation when he is not in a, in a better position because does it really matter if you are thrown into a fiery furnace or you are thrown into the lion's den? Would that make, make a big, uh, uh, such a difference? I, I don't think that that would make any difference because both of those places were the, the place of, of death. So they reminded the king, let's go back to Daniel chapter 6. They reminded the king that you should do something. Then point number four is the try. The king tried something very hard. And this is, this is amazing how he, he been uh, trying to save Daniel's life beginning in verse 14. Let's go to verse 14. To 16, and the king, when he heard these words, was greatly displeased with, with himself. Because that was the moment when he understood that it was a trap. So he walked into the trap, and now he is facing a big dilemma. What to do? So he was greatly displeased with himself, and set his heart on Daniel to deliver him. So after the plot, there was the trap. After the trap, there was the stand on the side of Daniel, and now the try. The try, what can I do? That's what the king, king was asking of himself. He set his heart on Daniel to deliver him. And the Bible says, it is verse 14, he labored till the going down of the sun to deliver him. Then these men, for the third time, are, are coming to the king and reminding him that you should fulfill your decree. They approached the king and said to the king, Know, O king, that it is the law of the Medes and Persians that no decree or statute 
which the king establishes may be changed. So there is something the law is binding on you. You have to obey. He made his try, but he could not succeed. And you know, it is, it is amazing if you think about the New Testament. Pilate. Pilate knew, based on, on the Gospel of Mark, that the Jews handed over Jesus to him because of jealousy. Then when he realized that Jesus is an innocent man, he wanted to do everything to save him. Now this king is doing the same thing. But he could not save Daniel. He had to fulfill his own command. But he did something. And let's go to verse 16. So the king gave the command and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. But the king spoke saying to Daniel, Your God whom you serve continually, he will deliver you. It's a very interesting play on words. The king tried to deliver Daniel. Until the dawn of the sun. So he spent the whole day just gaining some time, but he could not save. Then finally this king had to understand something that if I cannot save you, then there is somebody behind me, greater than me, who could save you. And I think there was something of a faith that was shining through this man. And he said, your God, you are praying to God three times a day. And your God, whom you worship, you serve continually, he will deliver you. Then the last point is what happened to the king. Well, Daniel was thrown, was cast into the lion's den. And they, they brought a stone. They, they blocked the mouth of the den. They sealed that, that stone so nobody could escape or go into. And there was the night. I believe those lions were hungry. They were hungry lions. I don't know how many they were. The Bible doesn't give us how many they were, but they were hungry lions, and even if a lion is not hungry, you can never be sure, because it's a wild animal, how an, a lion would react to uh, your presence. But what happened to the king is something that happened to the lions. The lions had to fast till next morning. And you know, it's interesting that the king was fasting too. Daniel was fasting. Everybody was fasting. And so, uh, if you go to verse 18, it says, Now the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No musicians were brought before him. 
and also his sleep went from him. There was a crisis for him too. Daniel was fasting, I believe, and praying. The lions were fasting, not praying. I can imagine the king was fasting and praying. He could not sleep. He decided no musicians, no music therapy. I have to face this reality. And he waited until the morning. And something happened in the morning. Let's read this part. Uh, Beginning with verse 19. It says, Then the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste to the den of lions. And when he, uh, he came to the den, he cried out with a lamenting voice to Daniel. The king spoke, saying to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God. So this king had faith in God. He knew that this man is serving a living God. Has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? Then, to his great surprise, or he may have not been surprised, I don't know. But the Bible says, Then Daniel said to the king, verse 21, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth so that they have no hurt me, because I was found innocent before him, and also, O king, I have done no wrong before you. You know, it's interesting that Daniel did not defend himself at the beginning. But now he is making his own testimony. And he's saying that there was nothing what I did against you or the king of the universe because I was honoring, I was loyal to my heavenly king and also been loyal to you too. I did nothing or I have done nothing wrong before you, king. And verse 23 says, Now the king was exceedingly glad for him and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no injury, whatever, was found on him. Because he he believed in his God. And if we had time to go to the book of uh, Hebrews chapter 11, we would find that Daniel is listed among the heroes of faith. Because there was a faith victory. And to me it is amazing that the king at the end of the story wrote another decree. Replacing the previous one. And it says verse 25 and on. Then King Darius wrote to all peoples, nations and languages that dwell in all the earth. 
peace be multiplied to you, I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom, men must tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and steadfast forever. His kingdom is the one which shall not be destroyed, and his dominion shall endure to the end. He delivers and rescues, and he works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. Who has delivered Daniel from the power of the lions? Who was there in the lion's den? The title of my sermon was When God is in the lion's den. That makes a huge difference. When God is with you in your situation, whatever comes in in your crisis situation today, that will change everything. And, And Daniel, who I believe was trusting in his God, finally he said, that's what I was hoping for. Against hope. He was hoping for, like Abraham, some hundreds of years before him. Against hope, he was hoping that God would fulfill his promise and give him a seed. So it is Daniel who had an excellent spirit, according to the Bible understood another lesson that silently and patiently God is working in the background. And he is fulfilling his own plans. And when it comes to human history, it's more than a play or counterplay of powers. There is a divine or demonic, if you will, battle for controlling the minds or influencing the minds who are in a position of controlling others. And so to me, it's an amazing story, and it finishes those stories that are found in the first six chapters of Daniel, telling us that whenever we follow a principle, God is always there. If it is a fire, he is there. If it is the lion's den, he will be there in order to protect and and bless us. So that's my prayer this morning, that our good Lord would really guide us through all the difficulties and traps of this life. If we are faithful, we will be blessed. We will be delivered at the end of everything. Amen.